0: Welcome to Beyond Politics, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, and this is a special bonus episode. I appeared. Today on the New England Take, which is an outstanding radio show and podcast and live stream to Facebook with my friend, the host, A.J. Kiersted We got into all kinds of stuff, including my recent article for the editorial board and Alternet on why the Democrats were right to meddle in Republican primaries. We get into all kinds of interesting political stuff, including about libertarians, how the parties can work together, and maybe, maybe some good news for American politics. So I hope you enjoy. And here's A.J.
1: The New England Take on WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. As always, nhtalkradio.com to get the back episodes of the show. New England Take on Facebook, Twitter, posting all the shows on demand there, as well as some other various things of interest, especially on the Twitter sphere if you're into politics. Speaking of politics, we have host Matt Robeson of Beyond Politics, which also air, airs here on the station from four to six weekdays, rebroadcast throughout, as, including on WKXL in the morning, which I also uh, am excited to host here on the station. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. And I, I like
0: that you're reaching us from the great beyond. You you seem to be coming to us from um, the Phantom Zone for fans of, of Superman. It's like, you know, there's like a black cloud of something behind you. You know, I'm only pushing this because I actually want people to check this out on video. I know you do all these pods on video on Facebook. I hope people will go there because this is a rich visual experience that people are missing out on if they're only catching the pod or the radio.
1: Yeah. If you if you if you check out the recordings also, you'll see Matt basically wearing his best Darth Vader without the helmet right now with the the black and white. Are you imitating Biden a couple weeks ago. I, I got to say
0: what's happening to me here is I actually look like the original Empire Strikes Back version of like he's got like an egg of a head yes. sitting <laughs> in a and it's because it's because I'm wearing a vest because, you know, I'm doing the New England thing here. This is the New England take that we're on after all. So I'm doing the New England thing. I'm affecting a vest. I'm trying to look cool. It's actually a vest from a New Hampshire, a Concord downtown New Hampshire law firm. (laughs) But the way it shows up on video is I do look like I have a giant floating white head. The only thing that would make it look worse is if I had shaved my head, you know, it's like, I don't know, like people with my pasty complexion should not shave your heads unless you have a really good reason to do so, or unless you're like AJ and you have that like nice black stubble that shows that you actually have hair there. Otherwise, you just look like a giant thumb. And
1: that's the deal with Joe Rogan too. And whenever he's on like these bright stages, like I'd hate to be the videographer because it's just the, the glare of the stage lights on the head as is just the bane of my existence.
0: That's right. That's right. No, he he looks like a thumb with hairy Knuckles. Yes.
1: All right, we're, we're here to actually talk politics a little bit. You you wrote a an article that came out this week on uh, editorialboard.com. Definitely please go over there, pay for your subscription, check out this premium article he wrote. But um, I, I got a, I got a leak of it over from alternet.org where, where it's also posted. Please be sure to subscribe to them also. Support independent media. Just across the board, please do that. But you wrote an opinion piece titled Why Democrats Are Right to Quote Unquote Interfere in GOP primaries. And this was, I don't think people really realized until after a lot of the primaries really came through how much Democrats were um, looking at investing in some of the more quote unquote crazy candidates on the Republican side of the House. And I kind of took your article as, so for those that aren't, in, in the world of Twitter and YouTube. You have black pills, which are the ones that just make you feel horrible, like th- the world's falling apart, the sky is falling. You have red pills, the ones that convert you into being a, a left or a right or a ideologue. And you have blue pills, which are the happy, everything's fine, we'll make it another week. And you're, I, I found your article be you a black pill. Is that how you <laughs> envisioned it when you wrote it? Um, you
0: know, your your you're, you're, uh, you're reminding me of the classic 60s song, go see Alice. It's like one pill makes you this one pill makes that. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a black pill mostly for me because this was a painful article to write. I was among the media punditocracy that as all this was going down, was saying, wait a second. This doesn't make a lot of sense, because what happened here was Democrats put a lot of money. We knew it was a lot. We didn't know how much, like you said, until the very end. Fifty three million dollars in the money. primaries. That's a lot of money. Now, a lot of that was in Illinois, but whatever. It was a lot of money. Right. And you saw it in New Hampshire, where a lot of our radio listeners are. You saw the Democrats came in and they meddled in the Republican primary by trying to put their thumb on the scale for General bolduck and against Chuck Morse because they're trying to pick a weaker opponent. They want to go up against someone who is Looney Tunes and who the voters will think is Looney Tunes and will be easier to beat now. okay, I can live with that as a strategy. It's not exactly novel. This has happened plenty of times before. And it's happened with, you know, kind of reprehensible figures like Roy Moore in Alabama, you know, the the pedophile perv back in 2017. Like, okay, you can kind of see the political case of this person is disgusting, but we'd rather run against them than a qualified person because we will beat them. And lo and behold, we got Senator Doug Jones of Alabama because that's that's what happened. The the thing that twisted the story here was that on the one hand, out of one side of their mouth, Democrats are saying we are trying to pump up and promote these MAGA, far right, election denying, big lie touting, insurrection apologizing, QAnon curious candidates. By the way, these are. I'm not making up these things. I'm not just like.
1: Yeah, no, these this are, is this is legit. The, these candidates, especially, there are aspects to to them that definitely were in this realm.
0: Right. This is where, like, my republic. I'm a Democrat. My Republican friends, like when we're in private, they just kind of like hold their forehead and their hands. <laughs> and they're like, oh gosh. Oh, no. Oh, no. And so, like, on the one hand, Democrats are pumping up these people. And on the on the other side of their mouth, they're saying these people are a threat to the continuation of our country and to American democracy. My gosh, they're 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 so awful. How could we do both at the same time? And so I came into this saying, well, it's hypocritical. It's wrong. It's a mistake. It's dangerous. It's playing with fire. <laughs> and I came out of it saying, and it was the right thing to do. And uh, it was painful. It was painful to write, but that's that's where the genesis of all this came from.
1: Yeah, it, it's, I feel like I'm still in the naive. I understand how the system works. I understand how gross politics is, generally speaking. I have a hard time when I get politicians on the show because I, I like speaking with lawyers and policy uh, people and reporters and such that are kind of don't need to play the game as hardcore necessarily as the politicians when they come in. So I've only had one or two on the show, but but well, look, is,
0: politicians are like diapers. They should be changed often and for the exactly. same reason.
1: It's, yeah. I mean, literally, this—the cliche is correct. I mean, there's no way around it. And if from political, p- politically motivated way, like it's a dangerous game. It could definitely go wrong. I'm con. I I'm not concerned at this point. <laughs> Everyone knows I'm. I, I vote Republican 99 percent of the time for the most part, or a Libertarian if not them. But like, it's a very dangerous game because now, especially in New Hampshire, when you look at it, Bulldeck is pulling back. Saying, "Hey, I had to basically. I had to. If you're reading between the lines, it was that. Hey, I was just trying to get by the primary, and now he's past that. Haston is very weak. There's no way around it. She's weak candidate. Um, she she basically made it through because Ayotte got trashed in the, in the debates, par, par, partially because of Chris Ryan, <laughs> which is hilarious to watch. Um, uh, but hey, I mean, is it worth that risk? It's
0: I, I, that that is the key question, right? Is it worth the risk? You have someone who, okay, maybe we take General Baldock at his word. He's like, I was just playing politics. I was just playing footsie with the far right and mouthing all this stuff and calling Governor Sununu a Chinese communist sympathizer Holy and saying crap. that the election was stolen and you know making smoochy faces at QAnon and doing all this because that's how the game is played. I mean. Okay, integrity, Uh, let's let's start there. Right. You know, one of my favorite senators, Republican Al Simpson of Wyoming, uh, uh, he he was fond of saying integrity is all that matters. If you have it, that's all that matters. And if you don't have it, that's all that matters. So I'm not real fond of hearing general boldock say oh you know I, I i was just playing politics with all of this incredibly divisive dangerous stuff that i was saying it's all just the game you know integrity people but anyway the point is what i ended up deciding after all of this is it doesn't matter it doesn't matter you choose don boldock you choose chuck morse They're going to vote the same. They're going to do the same stuff. If push comes to shove, if Donald Trump is back in 2024, if he starts eroding the Constitution, if he starts putting pliant generals in place, if he starts drumming people out of the federal agencies because they haven't taken a MAGA loyalty oath, by the way, all things that are very realistic that his supporters have said 100 percent. We are doing this. If he starts doing all of this, then Chuck, Morse would wave that through the turnstile just as much as General Boldick would, and it will not make a difference. I unfortunately know of what I speak here, because in 2010, I was the chief of staff for then Congressman Paul Hodes, who was running for the U.S. Senate against Kelly Ayotte. Now, that was a horrible year for Democrats, horrible. And we got <clears throat> toasted in the general election. OK, but there was a primary and it's lost to history, but it was a close, close primary. And Kelly Ayotte squeaked out over Ovid LaMontagne, who is a pretty far right pro-life kind of figure, although actually kind of a very personable human being. Like, I actually kind of rather liked interacting with him. But the point is, you know, he he was pretty out there politically and he nearly, nearly took her out in the primary. It was like a thousand votes. It was so, so close. And if he had done just like a little bit better around Keene, he would have won. Now, if the Democrats back then had come in. And put their thumb on the scale for Ovid LaMontagne, right? They put a few million bucks into promoting him. Let's say he had, had come out of that. Could we have beaten him in 2010? I don't know. I don't know. It was such a bad year for Democrats. I don't know. <sighs> But my point is, if we had then lost to him and ended up with a Senator Ovid LaMontagne, would his voting record have been any different than Kelly Ayotte's turned out to be? Would the political complexion of America have been any different over the ensuing six years? I would argue, no, I think there's political science research that shows that Republicans are increasingly conservative and increasingly cohesive. There are no apostates anymore. Apostates that exist get drummed out of the party. So that's my point going forward is what's the price of meddling? You get a so-called slightly more moderate Republican these days. Is it really any different? And I am it's painful to say this because I believe in having two healthy parties or more in opposition to one another and kind of checking each other's impulses and sharpening each other and 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 making our political exchange better and healthier. But that's not where we're at. I don't think it makes a difference. And that's why the Democrats were right to meddle.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the structural problem with American politics in 2022, where we, it's, it's this very corporate it's it really aligns with like you think about the corporate ethics and like we are going to make sure our company does best in theory the parties can eventually come along around the lines of ideology but instead it's it's talking points it's Abortion is, is like the cliche, but perfect summation of the situation where, if you are a Democrat and you didn't magically become a Libertarian with your thoughts or <laughs> the issue over the last couple months, it, then you are there's no there's no way in hell the the corporate Democratic National Committee is gonna gonna really give you any support. And on the other side, if you're a Republican that's kind of moderate, like I think like so many people in New Hampshire are, especially when you're looking at how our laws ended up coming through. Um, good luck. <laughs> like like maybe when you're in this last round before the actual election takes place, you can right. make it, but good luck making it through the primary.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I, I can give you another example with another story behind it. I don't know how much time we've gotten the break. You just cut, you just cut right in. You just I will yell. In.
1: Don't Look, worry. You're good though. Yeah, we yeah, got yeah.
0: Look in 2012, I was the campaign manager for a democratic congressman from massachusetts who is in a very very marginal district it was very close it's what in political operative parlance we say d plus three meaning a generic democrat would be expected to win by about three points close 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 all right and this democrat it just so happened was having a family scandal turns out that his brothers-in-law were running an offshore gambling ring not uh, not great. Not great. Minor, minor, minor yeah, problem. He got caught up in it. And he's a good guy. He's a guy with integrity. And I mean, you know, a federal judge said, like, you know, he had nothing to do with doesn't matter. You know how it goes in the press. He was sunk and it was like the worst confluence of problems. Like he's getting killed in the press. He's in this marginal district and he's up against one of the most moderate moderates in New England. This guy, Richard, to say who was a gay out Republican who had previously run for lieutenant governor of Massachusetts, had voted with the Republicans 50% of the time, with the Democrats 50% oh, wow. of the time. So um, we were sunk. All the political prognosticators said that this was the number one most likely loss for the Democratic Party in the whole House of Representatives. And we eked it out. How? Well, it was a pretty good year for Democrats. That that helped a lot. But also, We basically made the argument of, look, you elect this Republican, what you're really voting for is the leadership of the Republican Party, which is at the time, you know, now the buzzword is MAGA, then it was Tea Party. What you're essentially saying is you want the Tea Party Republicans, not like, you know, moderate New England Republicans, you want Southern hardcore Tea Party, ultra conservative Republicans To get their way in Washington, he would get rolled over so fast in Washington, D.C. Doesn't matter if he's a live and let live Republican, which he said he was. And I actually kind of believed him. At the end of the day, it just doesn't matter because he would put in power the Republican leadership. We were able to effectively make that argument. And by the way, I think it was true. And I think it's even more true today if you I mean, because. Here in New Hampshire is one of the places where Democrats meddled in the Republican Senate primary and in the House primaries. If you vote for one of these Republicans, yeah, I mean, now you you've got a choice of someone who's individually crazy and moggified and all that, probably not what the average Republican even wants in this state. But more to the point, you're putting Kevin McCarthy who bends over so far backward to smooch Donald Trump's rear, you're putting him in charge of the house of Representatives. That's what you're voting for. And so again, I would argue that it doesn't ultimately matter. You might as well meddle because at the end of the day, you get a slightly more moderate Republican, you get a slightly more modified Republican. You're still putting the same Republican leadership in charge and it pains me so much to say this. Like, I hope my Republican friends don't like remove me from their text threads, but it's just the reality of where we are nowadays. That's dangerous and bad.
1: Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick breaks. So I want to use the, the the next segment to really talk about like the landscape and possibly how maybe we, we do something about it because I, I hate your solution. I know it, but I know ultimately it's the reality of the situation, which is very unfortunate. Talking to Matt Robeson here, Beyond Politics, which airs right here in WKXL weekdays from four to six PM. You're listening to New England Taking WKXL. We'll be right back after this. What what's the way out of this? Like it, it, this is toxic. This is not. It, like from an like I understand from a business we talk about the corporate nature of the parties from a business perspective it makes a hell of a lot of sense I, I totally understand why why a party would want to do this from an ethical perspective I hate it I hate everything about it because you should be as a political movement trying to support to the future of the party because it, it maybe on one side you think it's it's best for the future of the country B maybe it is just you have whether it's abortion environmentalism or um traditional family values like all these different things really should be the priority of what your messaging should be around but we don't we don't really have the good people to do that i feel like that are really able to come up like liz cheney is i really even hate bringing her name up because because it's i i understand why the why she's gained so much mainstream notoriety and support and everything but as someone who's on the right the only thing she's she's done is be against hashtag resist Trump. Like, aside from that, I really can't think of anything else that makes her other than just this mainline um, old school, like her dad, uh, corporate Republican. Like, I I just don't know what to do here. All right. It
0: seems like you and maybe all of our listeners and viewers could use some good news. So I'm going to supply it. Right. Here's here's the good news. All right. It's not as bad as it seems. Now, look, I wrote in Newsweek last last year, year ago, October, that Trump is going to be the nominee and we should all be freaking out about 2024, that the threats about the end of American democracy and civil war looming are very real. So, OK, and, and I just had one of the most eminent scholars and writers in America, Jonathan Rausch, on the Beyond Politics podcast And he outlined in his article on the Atlantic, Trump's second term would look like this in excruciating detail exactly how bad all of this is. So this begs a question, how can I possibly say that there's a lot of good news? Let's grant that there is this Trump factor. There is there's something unhealthy and bad that's going on. I think it's primarily going on in the Republican Party. I think it's an authoritarian bent. I think it's a conspiracy theory bent. You've got Trump rallies where he's playing the QAnon theme song and they're all doing this weird one finger salute that looks from a distance like a very unfortunate salute that I won't need to mention here. So all of that is bad and there are problems in the Democratic Party and on the progressive side. I grant that. All right, here's the good news. First of all, I had a guest, a scholar from Princeton University on Beyond Politics last year. Her name is Frances Lee. She studies this very closely. She says that actually underneath all the noise and all of the social media back and forth and the toxicity, Congress has actually been reasonably productive. This was a year ago. They're actually getting things done that Democrats and Republicans were agreeing on. And now in the past year. Congress has had on a bipartisan basis, some of the most productive economic middle ground legislation that we've seen in 50 years, important things, industrial policy, and we're seeing flying right out of that real announcements from real companies about real manufacturing jobs being created. This isn't like pie in the sky stuff. This is like we're building the factory. This is happening. Here's the billions that we're putting in. It's because we're getting a hand in from the federal government and that's catalyzing things. This stuff is happening. The infrastructure bill is a BFD and it was Republicans and Democrats coming together on that. The semiconductor and manufacturing China competitiveness bill BFD If you look on the foreign relations front, Republicans do not want to talk about this because it's political silly season. But privately, they agree that the Biden administration has done a pretty darn good job holding NATO together, holding our allies together, managing the war in Ukraine, keeping Europe in a united front and pushing back on Russian aggression. That is good news. The 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 cohesiveness of the Western alliance the the Democratic alliance, is far greater today than it was two years ago. And the international institutions through which we work to try to keep some kind of handle on the global economy and keep these booms and busts and crashes from happening, all of that is is strengthening as well. And the final thing I'll say in what's a, a pretty long rant, and I apologize for it, but it's mostly good news. So I feel like I might as well is on the political front. A lot of this isn't that new. You know, I was saying on the show the other day, Governor Mario Cuomo was famous for saying we campaign in poetry, we govern in prose. And if you look at the government side, I think I've just laid out that there's a lot of good stuff stuff that's not that controversial and that the parties agree on that's getting done. There's a police reform bill that's moving forward now, bipartisan agreement. The police are in on it. The unions are in on it. You know, there is good stuff happening and on the politics front. Okay. More of our politics is dominated by slam poetry than I, you know, idyllic epic poetry and epic verse. It's, it's not pretty out there, but it's pretty much the same thing. You have both parties trying to say, you know, you're bad. No, you're bad. All right. But on the governing front, it's not that dysfunctional. So there's still hope. There's still hope. But we do need to solve for the MAGA factor. And and just just to keep some credibility for the fact that I'm not totally in the tank, for the Democrats on this. I think the progressives who line up on my side of the political divide have gone too far. I think that we need to clean up some of the online language. So some of the, the blaming, the anger, the, you know, no one gets any grace from anyone on anything. And we don't assume good faith from other people. And so you know, cancellation is far too easy. I think these things are real. I think young people are 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 far too easily microaggressed and activated. That part of our culture does need to to move forward in a healthier direction. But our problems are still solvable. We're not there to total disaster zone yet. Do you feel any
1: better? I do. I do. That that was that was that was very optimistic and in kind of a, um, maybe an oxymoronic, maybe that's the way to the, the correct descriptor of what I'm about to say. But like I have, I I long for the days where we vilify politicians and, and we, we say all politicians suck. We should just try and get out of them what we can. That's hopefully going to be better for the betterment of our country. And uh, it seems uh, it's my th- working theory based off of what you said is Uh, With the with the way the uh, the stats are right now on approval ratings and everything, we're having the most productive. uh, From bipartisan perspective uh, era in recent years, because we we all hate our politicians again,
0: (laughs) (laughs) maybe, maybe that's what it is. You know, I guess the analogy to me is. If you if you bicker with your spouse or your significant other, right. It's a very different thing to fight about. You didn't do the dishes, jerk. You know, oh, you did it again. The toilet seat. That's one set of things. And that's the kind of bickering we've done since time immemorial. And it's not even necessarily unhealthy if we do it in a productive way. I mean, marriage counselors say there's such a thing as productive fighting, productive arguing, you know, like not. Not like, oh, you always do this, not blowing things up, not catastrophizing. There, there's good ways to handle those kinds of fights. Then there's
1: we need a divorce type fights, mm-hmm. and which is the Trump narrative.
0: That is the Trump, that's where Trump is taking us. My biggest objection to Trump isn't necessarily on policy because he doesn't have a policy platform per se. Yeah. What I always tell my conservative Friends and guests. And yes, I hope people will subscribe to Beyond Politics and Great Ideas because I feature conservatives. I yep. feature Republicans. I have the top Republican pollster in America. He was my guest a couple of weeks ago. I have Mitt Romney's budget guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been my multi time guest. And because I want to have fights with Republicans, but I want them to be about doing the dishes, I don't want them to be about who's moving out of the house.
1: And, and not everything's I a damn debate. Like, like right. it's the thing with the internet culture, with the internet blood sports. As entertaining as they were when that span of time when they were uh, the viral thing, and there's still little glimmers of it in the Twitch world right now with pol- with political streamers, but. Like discussion is very productive like like this, like we we disagree when it comes down to ultimately a, a lot of policies and how they have what should be done in government. But we agree on the process. And that's why fundamentally I have a huge problem with the progressives and the MAGA movement crew is I think that the Constitution as the framework that we we live under for the way our government works, with the importance of compromise and working towards. No one's going to be happy, but we'll we'll find a spot that at least keep us from falling apart. Is the most important thing, and if we throw everything out and we deconstruct, as the postmodern crew lo- loves doing so much so much that we lose the basic framework that our civilization is based of our culture and civilization as a country is based on. That's the end.
0: That is the end. That's the thing is that that's why my approach and why my article was so painful to write. My approach is, and always has been, I want to elevate the kinds of good disagreements that we should be having where there's a conversation we had the guy I was talking about Mitt Romney's right hand man on budget. Okay. I had him on the show a few months back to talk about his new paper about devolution. What's devolution? This should appeal to you as a libertarian. It's let's not have the federal government run so much stuff. Let's localize it a little bit more. Now that's a classic conservative approach, right? He says, why should the federal Department of Transportation be a pass through for all our gas tax dollars, you know, and have these decisions be shot up to the federal level and then passed back down? Seems bureaucratic. It seems like why well, have a fight about this at the federal level? Let's just keep this more localized. Like, all right. You know what? I'm not sure I'm on board, but there's a conversation we could have about right. that. Right. Like that's a that's a reasonable thing. My approach has been I want to elevate The people who I can have useful, interesting back and forths with, right? We maybe have different perspectives, but we can get somewhere with that. And I'm gonna fight like hell against the people who just wanna burn it all down and you know go to the divorce lawyers. I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up against the MAGA types. And the reason I landed where I did in my article is I don't think that right now that there is a productive way in this election to kind of parse between them on the Republican side. I think we've got to burn the MAGA impulse out and then we can get back to having, you know, like if there were a Republican president in 2024, like a Marco Rubio, is he like way more conservative than I want? Yeah, but. Could we have a productive, constructive Washington under a President Rubio? In a lot of areas, I think we probably could. You know, that's not end of democracy, end of America territory. So I I just I think that's where we need to get to. We need to fight. We need to fight these crazy people. And we also need to keep the dialogue, keep the lines of communication going with the ones that we're all ultimately in this together with.
1: And this kind of the. This brings up my issues I currently see with the liber- libertarian side of the house, especially in New Hampshire, in recent, especially recent months, the last few months, especially the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire is, enjoys playing edgy boys on on the Internet. And it, as entertaining as it can be, sometimes I have to remind myself that these guys are trying to be a political movement and they f- in my opinion this is is going to really anger a lot of people that probably listen to the show if they if they follow my political standing is i think that is the wrong way to go. Like like I understand, fine, you want to post some edgy memes and do stuff sometimes fine. Whatever. Uh but the thing they did with about Megan McCain uh, crying over her her father's coffin and joking about it saying saying that this is what was deserved, I don't think is the rational explanation. And to take it to a less extreme perspective, I'm not anarchist. Why do the libertarians have to be anarchists? So can there be somewhere in the middle where you have an American libertarian party where they don't want to throw out the American government? We can have somewhere in the middle. Like you look at the Republican Party. I'm not an evangelical Christian. I'm Christian, but I I don't want the government to be involved in all this stuff. But I think there's a role considering there's three hundred and something million of us that live in this country and the, it, if we don't centralize some of it i think it's not it's going to be against the the best that our country can offer concerning the amount of money th- that this economy brings in and how um very few on the top really do have a lot and that's probably a very progressive thing for me to be saying like that but a certain level of we don't want corporatism to take over is a genuine fear of mine. And it should be. I mean, I look, I agree with you. I I, my
0: libertarian friends over the years are there. I, I, I like them very much. And also every statement about politics begins with some formulation of why should the government fill in the blank? Why should this? Why should that? And it's deconstructive or to use, you know a different term it's destructive and i agree with you that it's it's weird political strategy it is sort of an anarchist vibe they're provocative they're they're it's a little trolly and i don't get it maybe it's it's just in the dna it's in the impulse maybe yeah. they can't help it it's in their nature but they could easily occupy what i would call the survivor strategy position if you're a fan of the show survivor which i am the best place to be is to have a voting block over here and a voting block over here and for you to have common ground and to have options and to have areas of connection with both and to float and to keep yourself always in a needed position. Well, libertarians, hear me. I like you. We can like, be friends
1: on certain Rand issues. Paul has been very late. He, he has his moments. Where where he's oh he very, has his He can very much have his moments where he's gonna be very based and say, "Hell no, we're not we're not doing this." But on the same side, he also knows how to work the party and and meet in the middle on a lot of things so that he's can actually get some stuff done because once again, it's about compromise and finding some common ground on these damn matters. But you know, he could it could go further.
0: Yeah. All right, he I could agree. and libertarians could be so much more strategic by saying hey democrats you know i've got an option over here which is i have five key issues 10 key issues where you and i agree we're going to disagree on everything else but let's let's work on this stuff where we really think the government should not be involved in these personal decisions and republicans i'm going to caucus with you i'm going to probably vote with you i'm going to run on your ticket etc but Be aware that I could always jump ship. You should be wooing the heck out of me. And you could be in such a more powerful position. But again, I think I agree with you here. I think the impulse is fundamentally non-strategic and destructive. They're not looking to. And this is the basic problem, honestly, with the Republican Party is that it's fundamentally not constructive. This is why Republicans always have the upper hand politically in America. Because they get to be against stuff. Democrats are always looking to build stuff. That is much harder. And by the way, conservatives are right that frequently when government tries to build stuff, it messes it up. And there are always problems. There are always examples. There's always cylinders. There's always mistakes. So it's so easy to find a poster child for government's dysfunctional. Democrats are just doing big government stuff. They can't be Blah blah blah. it's just it's an easier political hand to play.
1: And we also we also need that line of the certain people say, what's the reason for doing this? Like, it's important to have that back and forth. Right Absolutely. And I'll
0: look, I'll give you another example. I will give you another example right now. Yesterday, I recorded such a good show with a an expert, Erin Simpson from a liberal think tank, the Center for American uh, Progress. And she's just so smart. I, I I liked it so much. I put it in the Beyond Politics podcast and the Great Ideas Show, which is all, you know, it's just all ideas, it's all policy. And it was all about big tech platforms. And their market power and the ways that they invade and destroy our rights, our fundamental rights. I'm not going to even use the word privacy because that's a euphemism. It's it's far more invasive than that. It's our rights yeah. and the ways in which they undermine the health of our society and our democracy. And for first of all, I think people should listen to it because it's a good news show. It's the kind of show where. She actually had solutions and she said, we could reach him, which is great. But I mean, even even more to the point, there is common ground to be had here. And if you're a libertarian, if you don't feel super affiliated with each party, there is common ground that you can find with each party where the parties agree to around this nexus of issues that are so toxic for America. There's stuff we can get done here that we all really should care about. So you know, it, that's, it's just one example. It happens to be a really important one to me, but you know, I, I, I'm just, I agree with your point that libertarians should be thinking more proactively and creatively about, it's not all asking why should government, government should stop, blah, blah. blah. It's more about, all right, how can we work with temporary allies on things that we want to accomplish.
1: All right. Hitting the end of this segment. So it's the end of the people that are listening to WKXL in the morning. This is the New England Take and WKXL joined today by Matt Robeson, host of Beyond Politics with his co-host, Paul Hodes, uh, airing weekdays from 4 to 6 p.m. And what's the what super quick? What's the name of your podcast feeds so if people want to check those out? Beyond Politics, although you should also check out Great Ideas. All right. This is New England Take. I'm your host, AJ Kier. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. I just personally have problems with ideologues and, but I understand the value of them battling it out in DC. I mean, just do you think we need more of the ideologue types in the political realm or do we need more pragmatists?
0: I think we need people with integrity. I would rather deal with Republican counterparts who are true conservatives, who are intellectually consistent conservatives, who have an ideology that at least makes logical, self-contained sense. And they may be coming from a different place, but people who are fundamentally there for the right reasons, One of my mentors, David Gergen, the former presidential advisor, used to say, and he would repeat this in private with me, not just in public, that there are two kinds of people who go to Washington, people who go to be somebody and people who go to do something. And we need more of the latter. And he also said, by the way, that people who go to be somebody, which I think Washington is too full of these days, it's ultimately empty because it's ephemeral. You know, Jim Florio, the former governor of New Jersey, died earlier this week. He got a one paragraph mention in in the political news that I scanned. He was a huge deal 30 or 40 years ago. Huge, powerful deal. But it's all ephemeral. If you go to do something, then that's lasting and it's meaningful and it's substantive and you're contributing something to the world. I would rather deal with people who are ideologues but who are honest and have integrity and are there to do something.
1: And going off of that on take it even further I'd say we also need less of the people that are just there so I always call it the hashtag resist resist movement. The tea party movement like we saw with Ted Cruz which so much of what he focused on, and you see so much with the squad, with what they're trying to accomplish. Like fifty percent of what they're doing is just hashtag resist. No, we're going to defy the whole the system. We're going to throw the system out and come up with our own. We're going to throw out the constitution over time. We would see that especially in higher ed, which is where I work my for my full time job. And I think that's that's a mistake. Right. Absolutely. I, I mean. Ultimately, what you want is to
0: get back to an America where we give each other some grace and we assume good faith and we have our fights and they're who's doing the dishes type fights. And they are the fights we have inside the house. And then we quiet down when the kids are in the room because we all are in this for a common purpose. You know, what we don't need is a lot more performative politicians. The ultimate one, of course, being Donald Trump. It's all about him. He doesn't care about doing anything and he doesn't care about any other human being on earth. And, you know, I'd lump in some other people on my side of the aisle into the sort of performative category. I would prefer to work for workhorses and I'd prefer to get back to a place where, yeah, we give each other some grace. We, we understand the caveat. We understand, hey, you know, maybe you didn't mean exactly what you said there. It's cool. It's cool. We can move past it, you know, and I, I think hopefully this is one last piece of good news. I think the vast majority of people agree with that. I think that's what they want too.
1: Matt Robeson, beyond politics, leaving us with, with a blue pill happiness, and please don't burn everything down. I appreciate you joining me today. It was a fun conversation. Absolutely, always a pleasure. Check out Beyond Politics weekdays from 4 to 6 p.m. right here on WKXL. And you check out the New England Take and Beyond Politics on demand at nhtalkradio.com as well as our 24-7 live stream. Please be sure to check that out because I make sure it works every day. This is the New England Take on WKXL. I'm A.J. Kier said we'll talk to you next week.